Well, I want you to look with me. We're going to read the entire psalm. It's just six verses, but let's, let's again refresh our hearts about the context of this entire psalm. Blessed is the man. Uh, the word blessed there, blessed, literally means doubly, doubly blessed. Exceptionally blessed. And so we're talking in this psalm, I really believe the theme is how to live life in the favor of God. So he begins to tell us. So the first week we talked about, part one of this particular lesson, uh, was that the blessed life is driven by personal integrity. And remember what verse one says. Blessed, favored, highly, highly favored by God is the man, the woman, the person that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But then the second week we came back and we said that not only is the blessed life a life that's driven by personal integrity, but the blessed life also is a life that is immersed in the Scripture, the Word of God, the Bible. Because look at verse 2. But this person, his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in God's law, does this person meditate day and night? And so tonight, we close out this psalm by realizing that if we want a life marked by the favor of God, we need to have personal integrity. We need to immerse ourselves in the Scripture. But then the blessed life, characteristic number three, is marked by legitimate fruitfulness and productivity. It's a life that's marked by legitimate fruitfulness and productivity. You say, Christian, why did you say legitimate? Well, because I really believe there are some times in life when you and I could succeed at things that really aren't legitimate. Um, it, it, just because you succeed at certain things did not mean that you succeed at the right things. And so when I use the phrase marked by legitimate fruitfulness and productivity, that means that, ladies and gentlemen, before the Lord, whenever I am judged by God and evaluated by God, I want to make sure that the things in life that God values... That's what I want to be successful at. That's where I want to be productive. Those, those things that are legitimate. And so he says in verse 3, and he shall be like a tree. This person that's blessed by the favor of God, this person that knows the hand of God on their life, that they're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither or dry away, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And then verses 4, 5, and 6, it, 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 it gives us a contrast. It shows us a picture of the people who aren't favored, who haven't had the blessing, the full blessing of God given to them, bestowed on their life, but the ungodly. Those are people that have no regard for God. This is somebody who, who isn't conscientious of the Lord's presence. 
They're not living in obedience. They don't crave the favor of God. They don't long to please God. They don't long to have the hand of God on their life. They're ungodly. They're without the Lord. These individuals are not blessed. It says they're not so. But they are like chaff, and we talked about that. Chaff that are driven away by the wind. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand. They're not going to remain when it comes time for the judgment. They're not going to last through the judgment. Nor sinners. Sinners aren't going to stand in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way or the path of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. So Christian, how can my life, how can my life be marked by legitimate fruitfulness? How can my life be marked by the productivity that God intends for me to share and to bear and to have evidence of? What does it mean to truly have a fruitful, productive life? If I were to ask you tonight, hey, raise your hand if you really want to be a failure in life. Nobody in their right mind would raise their hand. Because we all want to be successful at legitimate things. We all have a desire, a God-given desire to be productive and fruitful in the things that the Lord considers important. And so let me give you just some thoughts from the verse, from the text, because I don't have any thoughts to offer you apart from the text. So let me give you these thoughts. Number one, this is a life that is positioned or planted in the right spot. Notice this. It's a life planted or positioned in the right spot. The scripture says in verse 3, Now this person, he shall be like a tree that's planted, positioned by the rivers of water. A tree planted, it literally means it's transplanted. It's located by an irrigation source. I have discovered, and maybe you have too, that in this day, they actually were able to dig canals uh, to bring water from, whether it be uh, some sort of tributary, a river, or some water source. They would actually, if they couldn't dig up the tree and transplant the tree, they would actually dig, if they could, a canal and bring the water to where the tree was located. And scholars agree that the term rivers of water refers to these canals that had been dug. It's, it's, it's not a tree that's growing wildly, but one that has been cultivated, pruned, cared for, nurtured, planted in that exact spot so that the soil and the situation has been carefully chosen so that it can get all the nutrients that it needs. I want you to think about this. It's been planted there. Somebody, the farmer, the, the grower who wanted to grow this tree, if they're smart, if they're wise, they have done everything within their power to make sure that they're putting that tree just in the very spot where it needs to be. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. Do you think that any farmer is any smarter than God? <laughs> is any more wise or any more loving or any more desirous of prosperity and health and growth than the Lord is? And I'll say this to you, absolutely not. 
That God, the same God that created you and called you and gifted you and, and saved you, that the Lord knows what makes us tick. He knows how we can be the most successful. And he wants to plant and position you just in the right spot in your life. Adam Clark said that in the eastern countries, streams were conducted from a canal or a river to different parts of the ground and turned on or off at the farmer's pleasure. And so it is with the Lord. He knows where we need to be planted for us to grow and be most prosperous. One writer said that the streams of Palestine would regularly dry up, but these irrigation canals that came off the great rivers, they would never dry up. And this is what's being referred to. One writer said this could be referring this particular tree that had uh, a, a continual source of water. It would never wither away uh, because it was always getting what it needed. And man, when I read this and I think about and I ponder about my life and your life and God's care and God's tenderness and how the Lord, even behind the scenes, has gone to work in our lives to make sure, and this is so good to me, that we get all the nutrients we need to be healthy and prosperous and productive. He's given us all the tools and all the resources He's given us the water we need. He's given us the soil. He's planting us just in the right spot. God has set us up perfectly, if I could say it this way, for success. And if I am not productive and I am not successful, hear me carefully, dear one. I cannot point a finger at him and say that it's your fault. It's not. He has, he has strategically, look at all the things in your life where it is crystal clear that the goodness of God, his goodness, his mercy has come alongside, behind, in front, above, underneath us <laughs> and put us right where we need to be. I love that. You see, the blessed person has been positioned to be blessed if and when God gets ready to bless them. I, I also believe that there is a personal human responsibility that we have. You see, the Lord can position me and put me and set me up perfectly for success, but there is a sense of I am cooperating with him, and if I'm not willing to cooperate with him, I'm not going to be successful. You say, how do you know that? How do you prove that? Ladies and gentlemen, how many things has the Lord said in his word? If you do such and such, I will do this. We call these conditional promises, conditional blessings. And in every one of these conditional promises of blessing, listen to me, it is not God who is not willing. <laughs> he says, if you will simply do this, I've already told you what I'm going to do. You see, there is an aspect and there is, there is a, a, a certain element of human responsibility that you and I have. 
God says, I want to set you up for blessing. I want to favor your life. But if you don't cooperate, you say, well, couldn't God bless me anyway? By the way, time out. Look at how many times God does bless us in spite of us. Can I get a witness right there? But God is not obligated to bless me or favor me if I turn my nose up at him and I totally disregard what he says and what he wants. I want to be planted and positioned in the right spot so that when the Lord, if he gets ready to bless, there's nothing in my life standing in the way for him to do that. But you know what I discover? See, so many times I am prone, like many of us, I am prone to sabotage God's blessings. I, I sabotage my own positioning. I, I, God has set me up for success, but I sabotage my own success through my disobedience and through my carnality. This text teaches us that we will be intentionally and deliberately placed in the right spot to grow, to improve, to enhance our own spiritual lives. Jesus has given us every tool, every resource in order to help us grow and be productive. Many of us tonight aren't being blessed and we're not going to be blessed or favored this way until we realize that we've got to be in the right spot with the right conditions in our lives that cause us to grow, that cause us to be strong and healthy and flourish. I remember Evangelist Lester Roloff decades ago. I heard a message that he preached, and here's what he said. He said, there is no sense in you and I begging God to bless us if we're not standing on blessing ground. Think about that statement. And that's a true statement. I am wasting my breath saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Help me, God, help me, God, bless me, favor me, God. But I'm not willing to do anything you tell me to do. You see, at that point, all Jesus is is a genie in a bottle. And he's no genie. He's God. He's not a robot. He's not a machine. He's not a bellhop or my servant. I'm his servant. And he doesn't exist. Hear me. He doesn't exist for my pleasure. Every one of us exists for his pleasure and his glory. And he says, I want you to know my favor. I want you to know my blessing. I'm setting you up for success if you simply do what I tell you to do. So this is a life that's positioned and planted in the right spot. Secondly, this is a life that will eventually show fruitfulness when the time is right. Now let me say that again. It'll eventually, this kind of life that's favored by God, it will eventually, when the time is right, it'll show fruitfulness and productivity. There will be fruit that remains. 
Notice what the Bible says. The scripture says that this person that's positioned and planted in the right spot, what's the next phrase? They're going to bring forth their fruit, watch this, in his season. Or literally, when the time is right. Not beforehand, but when the time is right. When God gets ready to bless and God gets ready to favor and God gets ready to give that exposure to your success and productivity, it's going to happen. Don't rush it. Don't force it. You trust God, you obey the Lord. And you leave things in the hands of the Lord. And in God's timing, that fruit's going to be there. You see, the success pictured for the blessed person in verse 3 is in direct contrast to the failure and the fruitlessness and the frustration and the futility of the wicked person there in verse 4. That's that's the non-blessed person, if I could say it this way. That's the person that's non-blessable. In other words, they're not seeking the face of God. (laughs) But God says, you seek me, you listen to me, you do what I... I'm telling you to do, and I'm, the day's coming when your fruit is going to be born and produced. Again, this doesn't mean that God's going to grant every wish you have. It doesn't even mean he's going to answer every single prayer in the exact way that I want him to answer it. But it means that as God gauges success, true success in your life, And that's not always measured in dollars and cents. And can I say this to us? More often than not, it's not going to be measured in dollars and cents. It's going to be measured in character and integrity. Those are the riches. That's the wealth that God desires to produce in every one of us. And he says, that fruit, (laughs) you be faithful. But in the right time, in the right season, hallelujah, that fruit is going to be produced. And then he goes on to say, number three, that this is a life that has a sense of freshness, vibrancy, and vigor to it. Like Christians, sometimes I just feel like my life is just so dull. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want your life to be dull. He wants your life to have a freshness, a vigor, a vibrancy to it. Because notice what he says. He says, this person's going to bring forth their fruit in their season. And watch this. And their leaf also is not going to wither. That's an interesting phrase to me. Their leaf shall not wither. The leaf doesn't wither. In other words, the leaf ain't going to fall off. Uh, one one person said brown dead withered leaves are signs of death and dryness but the righteous man does not have these signs of death and dryness in his life his leaves are green and alive you say christian how does this apply to me well ladies and gentlemen can i ask us uh, uh i think one of the one of the main areas it can apply is even in our attitude or in our our perspective in our spirit do i live a life where i feel like i'm always under a cloud I'm always uh, well woe is me i'm like eeyore <laughs> and Whoever, I can't remember, uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh, you know. (laughs) I don't want to be Eeyore. 
Jesus is the one that said, listen, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and that you may have life more abundantly. You say, I'm just waiting on the eternal life. Well, friend, hear me carefully. Thank God you and I can have abundant life while we're waiting on the eternal life. He said, I don't want your leaf to wither. I want you to have a vigor and excitement and vibrancy about you. Brother Hemet and I, the other day, and this a, a dear gentleman came and preached in our chapel. He's 74, almost 75 years old. Pastor Mick Bowen, one of my favorite people to be around. You know why he's one of my favorite people to be around? He's 74, almost 75, but he has the same excitement. He has more excitement, I'll say that, about living for the Lord and doing things for God. He's retired from the pastorate, but he sure doesn't act retired. He's refired. <laughs> He's more excited about the work of God now than, than he, I've ever seen him or known him to be. Brother Hemet and I couldn't get a word in edgewise. He's so excited about the work of God. Can I tell you something? I'm 50. Going on 100, I feel like. No, I'm 50, but I'm going to tell you something. I said to the Lord, just standing by Pastor Mick, I said to the Lord, Lord, I want that kind of spirit. That's the spirit of Caleb that Caleb manifested in the Old Testament. Hey, let me take that mountain. Me and God, me and God can take that mountain. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying there's not a place for retirement. That, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, I believe there is, as a matter of fact. What I am saying is, it's about your attitude and perspective in your spirit. May God give us that kind of spirit. That, hey, you know what? God can do it. I like that kind of spirit. That's the kind of spirit I think God wants us to have. And so then this final thought. This is the life that is ever increasing in maturity. <laughs> maturity. I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about maturity, completion, and there's a difference. Because he says this, the last part of verse 3. He said, I'm going to tell you this last thing about this man, that whatever he does is going to prosper. Prosper. One literal translation says, whatsoever the tree produces is going to come to full maturity. I want that to be my life. But if I want verse 3, hear me carefully. If I want verse 3 to be a reality, guess what? Then verse 1 has to be a reality. I've got to be a man of integrity. And verse 2 has to be a reality. I've got to immerse myself in the Scripture. And I've got to be willing to cooperate with the Lord in my life. It's interesting to me. This all hinges on how, where we're, how well we're planted. Being planted in the right spot for personal holiness, health, wholeness. It means, literally, think about this as we pray. It means eliminating the threats to your growth and your success. You do realize that there are threats. Just as there are natural threats to any kind of plant or tree, <laughs> there are threats to your spiritual tree. There are certain moths, beetles, worms, flies that are threats to the help of certain plants and trees, but the very health, success, and life of that tree 
depends on those threats being eliminated. So in the takeaway, let me tell you, there are some threats to your success that need to be eliminated. Let me give you a few. Number one, the threat of spiritual malnutrition. Remember, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Remember, 2 Peter 3, 18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, God wants us to be eating the right spiritual food in order for us to have this right spiritual health. And you got to feed yourself. And you got to intentionally set yourself up for spiritual growth. There's the threat number two of spiritual isolation. Spiritual isolation. Proverbs 13, 20, He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion or a friend of a fool is going to be destroyed. Spiritual friendship is vital. Just as we already talked about earlier in the service. Ecclesiastes 4 talks about two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If one of them falls down, the other one's going to lift them up. Woe to that person who is alone when he falls. God says, I, I, I don't want you to be a spiritual hermit. Don't isolate yourself off from the accountability and the friendship and the mutual encouragement that comes from living in a spiritual community called the local church. And then there's the sp- threat of spiritual poison. What kind of, what kind of poison are you letting get to your root system? I think the greatest poison that can enter into somebody is the poison of bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 talks about that. That fact, that's what the word bitter or bitterness means in the New Testament. It means poison. Some of you know the story years ago. In fact, it was, I think, in 2010. All you Auburn fans in the building, I only know of one, will remember this. There was a fellow that got mad. He was a rabid Alabama fan. His name was Harvey Updike, and Harvey Updike was a retired Texas state trooper. And he was mad because Auburn beat Alabama in what they call the Iron Bowl. He was a... <laughs> so old Harvey Updike, by the way, he was such a rabid Alabama fan that uh, he named uh, one of his sons Bear. Um, for Bear Bryant, he named, um, I think his other son's name was Paul, for Paul Bear Bryant, uh, but he wanted to name, uh, he wanted to name his daughter Allie Bama. <laughs> his wife said no, but anyway, <laughs> that night after the, after the Alabama loss in Tuscaloosa, he drove to Auburn, which, what, two hours maybe. And there's a place at the University of Auburn called Tumor's Corner where they had these famous live oak trees. And after a famous win, they would go and take toilet paper and roll those trees to celebrate. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I'm like, hey, save the toilet paper. Amen. But anyway, so Harvey up. Like about three o'clock that morning, he 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 got this 
insecticide, herbicide, this plant killer, tree killer. It ain't just weed killer. It's tree killer called spike. Some of you herbologists know what I'm talking about. Um, spike 80DH or DF or something like that. I don't know. Some of you know. I don't know. But they say if you want to kill a tree or kill a plant, that's what you spray on it to do it. And buddy boy, he did. And it killed those trees. <laughs> now, I mean, this was a major catastrophic event. Okay. Killed those trees. Hear me. Your enemy knows just the right poison to spray on your spiritual plant. And he knows if he's successful, he can kill your success and zap you of your spiritual productivity. Don't let him do it. You stay vigilant. You stay on fire for Jesus. You stay on your knees. Let's stay in the word. And let's live a life that knows what it is to live under the favor of God.